0: I'm Jackie Jones and welcome to my podcast Living Life Being Human, the number one podcast for anxiety, stress and mental health support. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of my latest podcast episodes and if you get any value from this podcast please support me by leaving a review. It really does help me out, and it motivates me to keep making these podcasts. You can connect with me on social media at Jackie Jones Coaching, and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get weekly videos all around anxiety, stress, and mental health. I hope you enjoy this episode. For this next episode of Living Life Being Human, and I've got two amazing guests with me. That, um, One knows my innermost secrets because Steffi was my therapist for quite a few years. And the other, her other half, Mr. Bob Cook, um, was my trainer. He founded the Manchester Institute of Psychotherapy, or MIP as it's affectionately known, in Manchester, where I did my training. So welcome. Thank you to my podcast um it's it's not that serious you can you can talk freely about anything but we thought we've just had a quick discussion and we thought we would talk a little bit about catastrophizing which i think is quite apt with the the year that we've had yeah yeah
1: i think it is yeah and i I notice it quite a lot because we've been in a, a roller coaster of fear because what's happened to us is something that is completely out of our control yeah there has been no way of knowing how that was going to end or when it's going to stop so even if it's unconscious all of us have got much much higher levels of cortisol the fight or flight hormone going on
0: yeah Uh,
1: and what we've been robbed of is that sense of normality the sense of it will come to an end so we still have that quite high levels of cortisol going on every now and again when we hear in the news about india we hear in in the news about other viruses that are happening and even though we know we're all we've all been vaccinated there's always that element of doubt that goes "Uh uh-oh and switches on the
0: cortisol yeah and i think i talk quite a bit with with my clients about black and white thinking as well as catastrophizing it's like everything's wonderful or everything's horrendous yeah and I keep saying there's a gray bit in the middle yeah. <laughs> it's it's not one way or the other and I think it's the same with catastrophizing really that you know I... trying to predict the future often yeah. doesn't end well in our head absolutely and it's about the rationale of the hit of the
1: here and now and we very often lose sense of the rationale when the unrational and in the irrational sorry yeah <laughs> and the things that are Really worrying us and scaring us don't appear to be ending, or there seems to be no end to it. Yeah. So we lose that sense of rationale. And in, in TA terms, we call that uh, being grounded in the here and now. Yeah? yeah. So when our fight and flight kicks in, which is, you know, the part of our brain, the first part of our brain that gets developed and that protects us it kind of takes over and stops us from thinking and stops us from working things out from the rational place and then we catastrophize and get stuck yeah
0: and it becomes habitual as well when when I talk quite a bit about you know and I I hold my hand up I do this is make stories up Do you know what I mean? Something will happen, and then I make a story up around it. Like, you know, I can remember the first time when I had to wear a mask going shopping. I worked myself up into a frenzy. You know, I'm not going to be able to breathe. I'm not going to be able to do this. And literally, on the way into Tesco's, I ended up laughing because just the thought of it, and I could feel my breathing going faster. I'd made up this whole story just around putting a mask on and going into Tesco's. And, of course, what we haven't switched in is our
1: rational brain. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's gone out the window. Yeah. And and stopped us from thinking, hold on a minute. What is the reality of this? Yeah. What's really happening with me right now? Do I really need to be that anxious about a mask? Everyone's wearing them. Yeah. Everyone's dropped dead in front of me. So it's
0: those kinds of reality checking things that we lose sight of. Yeah. See, when you started talking then, Steph, I just went back to five years ago when you used to be my therapist. You're torn. All of a sudden I just went, ah. Oh. <laughs> so I can imagine if you've got clients that do come that catastrophize, you're a very calming influence. I think me and Bob have touched on this in some of the things that we've been speaking about lately, the, the therapeutic relationship and how important that is.
1: Yeah it is yeah i think so because what what the therapist therapist role first of all the most important role is to create a safe protective environment and that can only happen if you really connected with your client and if they feel like you really get them yeah then and then the work can be done then the relationship can develop what do you think bob in there
2: yeah but I, I, i could talk a lot about that i'd like to backtrack slightly okay. great about catastrophization mm. and look at it from a developmental psychological position you're right we've got the pandemic and all the triggers of that mm. 2019 2021 and people catastrophize for years so mm. i started yeah. seeing clients in you know 1985 mm. catastrophize people catastrophize there and that led to anxiety that led to many other things so If we look back to what drives the catastrophization at a deeper level i think it's about the 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 desire to keep a person the desire to keep yourself safe yeah in other words you know if i catastrophize then i can control the future i can work it all out i can cover all bases so that i will be safe
0: So it's a bit like not treading on the cracks. Yeah. And wouldn't that be wonderful if it worked out that way, Bob? If we could think our way out of it.
2: Yeah, but that's what I said earlier on, a developmental psychological position. Because if we go back through the developmental ages to young ways of thinking, so you're a child psychotherapist, Steph, so you know yourself. It's about
1: having had that good enough parent who's taught you how to self-soothe yeah. So if you think about cortisol, is a really good way of talking about it, really. And Sue Gerhardt talks about that in her
2: book. Who's Sue Gerhardt?
1: She's a, um, an author, uh, and she's written a book called Why Love Really Matters. I've got that book. Yeah, and she yes. talks about, you know, when, when we're born, we, we release the ho- different hormones, and our, our mothers release hormones like yeah. uh, oxytocin, which is the calming, loving, connecting hormone. Um, and, we, and and children also release hormones during the day. So babies, um, those of you who are watching and have had babies, know that babies have a crotchety time, a time when they're irritable yeah. and not very uh, easily soothed. Yeah. And what she talks about is the the physiological aspect of of development involves releasing of hormones at certain times. So usually a couple of times during the twenty four hours in your life, you release more cortisol. Uh, and it's usually when you know your baby is teeth, they've released cortisol. And what she talks about is um it's the connectedness and the um attention and the love and the way the mother responds teaches the baby how to self-soothe. So what do we do when our babies cry? We pick them up and we nurse them, rock them. Yeah. So I remember many, many days at the nights and Bob sharing this with me, jiggling Jess to calm her down when she's teething. Or That works. That absolutely works. It soothes cortisol. And it's one of the techniques that they recommend for children. Um, uh, Other theorists have talked about this. Kids who have real low ability to manage their own feelings... Very often respond to swings and rocking chairs. You know, even kids four, five, six, seven, eight, they can stick them on a swing or a rocking chair and they'll feel soothed. So what it does is it lowers the cortisol. So getting back to Bob's point about the developmental aspect of this, if you've had that um attention or the care or the or the love that you've needed early on to help you self-soothe, that gets transferred in your in your brain yeah so the synopsis it's synopsis in your brain that's uh, sending around messages in that in your brain and you lay down those memories in that part of your brain that keeps that memory of this is how I'm meant to soothe <clears throat> so if I cry I get attention and then I know I can and get soothed and later on the the child learns not just to cry but to do something so to reach out and to ask for something and if that gets attended to they go oh I asked for that and it worked and so on and so forth so you're building up all those implicit memories in your brain about this is how I take care of myself.
2: Yeah that's right I had two clients today for assessment I mean I don't work clinically as you know but I do assess people for half yeah. an hour to send them to therapists of their choice at the institute okay yeah so they're two two diametrically different cases and very similar so one comes in and uh, talks about what we're talking about here now the need for a secure safe psychotherapist who will provide that nurturing you're talking about provide that uh, self-object functioning that you're talking about and providing that self-regulating that's one per client so you send off then i get somebody else later on in the day and he was talking about talking about some things, so he was talking about anxiety himself, da da da. And I said to him that if I could do one thing now, it would be to advise all the GPs in the country to give everybody with anxiety a gym pass. In other words, send it to the gym, or tell them to go on four-mile walks every day. <laughs> And why I'm saying that is, is because that provides a grounding function. Yes. In what you're talking about. Yes. They can feel more grounded. You went out for a five-mile walk today or yesterday. You came back and said, I felt feel more stable. I feel yeah. more grounded. That in itself is a very simple thing a person can do to enable themselves to self-regulate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a very good point that you've made, Bob, because mm-hmm. that's also attending to the cortisol yes yeah 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 and and it's helping to soothe um and, and Bob's right you know it's my sanity walking the dogs is one thing I need to do every day yeah um to just ground me and and I feel better uh you know I've got joint pain and things that so helps that
0: I think grounding is a term that's sort of bandied around quite <laughs> a lot you know people say what does it mean and for me it is literally being in nature you do you know what I mean being out with without worrying we were talking about mindfulness earlier on today Bob and it's about being mindful being in the here and now using our senses all those things that get us out of our head and back into the present yeah if they could bottle it yeah it would be wonderful
2: but it is the link to changing the course you are right it, it is linked to changing, rewiring in your head.
1: Yeah. When yeah. I was talking about this too, uh, I often recommend for people to get out. When they when you get stuck in your head and you're catastrophizing, what it does is keeps you incapacitated yeah. and stops you from... Uh, well, actually, what you do is you think, 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 think. Yeah. Yeah. You And you overthink. And you can't think to work anything out because obviously what you need to do is something more behavioural. And I yeah. always recommend that for people when they get stuck in their head. Move. Yeah, Move that energy. And that helps to rejig the brain as well. Um, yeah. If you think about it, like, you know, our brain's a computer. And when we catastrophize, we get stuck or, or we crash. So yeah. what helps to get out of the stuckness and the crashing is to move. And very often I will say to people, even if it's just a walk down to the bottom of the road, oh. do that. And when you're doing that, Pay attention to what's happening in your body and then spread that attention out a bit so that you're noticing things outside of your body. You know, how many red cars have gone by. If you're walking in the park, notice what plants are growing, what birds you can hear singing. So you're you're gradually actually paying attention more to the here and now rather than the stuff that's going on in your head. Now, it takes practice. It's not not one of those things you can go
0: and go, right, I've sorted it. You have to that's what i'm passionate about us teaching kids mindfulness and teaching yeah. kids simple little techniques when they're young and in schools that becomes normal to do yeah you know i i think mindfulness is one of those things that will be as normal as jogging at some point hopefully just just be yeah. mindful
2: yeah i i i agree uh, i agree with what you're saying and that's the behavioral approach you've just talked about all the post i think what i what i was attempting to say was yes that has a very very important part in all this however if however if you want more deep lying or long-term change i do believe in the developmental stages that we were talking about early on being reached and i think that can be reached for therapy with a therapist, provides that self-object function to help the person mm-hmm. deal, deal with the developmental deficits around uh, emotional regulation. And also what I was talking about earlier on in another video to you, Jackie, I talked about the importance of the therapist or the teacher, if you like, it uh, doesn't really matter, who, who is actually mindfully aware themselves so they can model down to Definitely. the teacher. Um, down to the student yeah that in, a, in another way is self-object functioning yes the absolutely. teacher becomes the therapist but in a yeah. different guise
1: yeah and it can be as simple as when a client walks into the room that uh, who has not had the kind of safety or security in a relationship before who feels uncomfortable and doesn't know how to be it can be as simple as the therapist checking out. are you okay in that seat? Yeah.
0: Yeah. the distance between is okay and uh, it means so much when somebody says that to you yeah in a room and in a therapy situation
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and There's also something as well i'm not sure whether it was one of the courses because you taught me on the child and adolescent course as well that i did through M- mip about reparenting yeah and you know part of the therapeutic process can be you know I don't want to say stepping into the game but kind of moving into their world to kind of reparent them and then individuate and separate out at some point yeah appropriately which yeah. is really powerful for some people
1: yeah yeah it, and and I think that happens when you say things like a, a client's talking about and I've done this and I've done that and I feel so overwhelmed and I'm not coping and you say it's interesting. I'm wondering why you feel like you have to do so many things. Do you want to talk no. about that? And they begin to talk about it and, and you and you might say, oh, I wonder why you did that. And then they talk about that and, and then you say, did you need to do it? And they go, actually, no, I didn't. I'm no. <laughs> just unpicking it just by unp- unpicking it uh, because they're so entrenched in their own script, what we call script. Yeah. Uh, sometimes just and um, just picking back those layers and questioning things helps people to realise they can let some things go.
2: Yeah. So what would you suggest, Steph? Then, as in the service of this, what we're talking about here, what would you suggest you put in the place to a client or uh, people viewers here? Uh, what would you suggest people put in their pl- in the place of catastrophization?
1: I don't think it's that simple, Bob.
2: No, but if you had to make it simple for the viewers. Oh, okay. Um,
1: Well, I'd think about, first of all, um, some of the techniques that I I tell people, uh, if they are catastrophizing, is to stop uh, and slow their breathing down, first of all. yeah. Yeah. To use what I call a 4-4 method. So to breathe in, count to 4. Breathe out, count to 4. Stop. Breathe in, count to four. Breathe out, count to four. Stop, because what that does is slow down the cortisol. Yeah, it just slows it down. Yeah, Uh, and then maybe, as I said to you, to do something that is supportive of themselves. So instead of staying stuck, uh, maybe to ask for a hug, or go for a coffee, or go for a walk. And start to maybe reality check with the person that they're with, yeah, to say, I'm really concerned about something and it keeps going over in my head. So it's out of their head. Write it down on paper, take it to therapy. Yeah. yeah? I have another client who catastrophizes quite a lot. And I always say to her, once you've written it down on paper, what does it look like? What's the issue that you're catastrophizing about? What does it look like?
2: Yeah. so would you say the then the goal would be relaxed uh, to feel relaxed or to it,
1: it is, but also it's to rejig your, your the brain as well. So the other things I sometimes advise people to do is so I had one client who's taking her exams, and she was really scared of um, when she was in the exam room that she would go blank. It's very clever girl, really clever, but she's scared of failing. Uh, and when we worked it back it was all to do with the expectations her parents had of her at the time and she didn't want to let them down so I negotiated with the school not every school will do this for to allow her to go into the exam room with a packet of uh, what were they called um, very very strong chewing gum can't remember the name of it oh I
0: know in
1: airwaves or something Air waves, that's it. of, yeah and when you chew on one it kind of yeah <laughs> um, not off and she said to me what that helps me do is focus on just that and nothing else and then i come back
0: yeah
1: and we used that technique before the exams um, cuz she got she got anxious when she went into big crowds and things and she just chewed on her airwaves. yeah and and, and there was a, a a mantra she said i can do this i'm okay i can do this i'm okay and so she used it in her exam. So it kind of rejigged instead of being that internal catastrophizing sense of ah. Yeah. It just rejigged her. Yeah, it re-jigged. And things
0: like smells are really good as well. I was yeah. just going to say that. Where's my thing? This I I use this all the time. I I yeah. tell people put some hand cream on or something <laughs> that nobody knows you've got it, and you can just put your you you know your hand to your face and smell something that just is calming. Yeah.
1: I've got another client who uses um, a, a mouth freshener uh, which is something I gave to her years ago and oh she's carried a, a, a replacement ever since around with her.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I think it's, what I was attempting to get to was rejigging and it, to get to where, and, and I, I think it's about enabling a person to okay. actually, emotion, to... Uh, be in touch with their emotions and thinking in a at the mo-
1: same time
2: yeah
1: yeah thinking and feeling because when you're catastrophizing you're not feeling
2: well you are but
1: you, you're escalating that feeling yeah and you know you can't you can never
0: think to work things out if it's an emotional issue yeah because just will stay there well that's it it's kind of like because I know you do NLP and all that sort of stuff but it's kind of like the, the logical bit just shuts down it buggers off and you're just left with all the animal instinct of survival and run like hell or stand and fight
1: yeah
0: you've kind of done all the overthinking stuff but what you said earlier on Steffi I 100% agree with it it takes practice it's not something you can do once and master it it's something that you need to practice doing you know like you say chewing on chewing gum and to see what works for you because we are all individual but yeah. there will be something yeah yeah because we're all different
1: some people are kinesthetic i don't know what the others are um some people are yeah differently to different things so you have to work out what's good for you and what works for you so tasty sometimes works
0: yeah um, and the other thing what you touched on as well i i use that with clients quite a lot in fact i've probably pee them off quite regular if if we're in the therapy room and I can see them shrinking they're basically going back into the fetal positions you know what I mean they're that straight I'll get them to get up and move and sit over the other side of the couch or get or we'll swap seats you sit here and I'll sit there because even just sitting in the same position
1: yeah
0: we kind of replay the same thoughts whereas if we get up and move it, it just does just snap us out of it sometimes
1: Yeah I think that's a good idea because sometimes when we're in that catastrophizing place we feel very disempowered yeah we lose our power we lose our sense of being able to be in control yeah and uh, sometimes that's a good that's a good trick you know get the client to swap with you and say right you're now me yeah
0: yeah I've done that before now what would you say if you were me swap seats you sit here and I'll be you and you be me (laughs) and you know we
1: talk about that as transference and very often clients will take that away in their head and think about you when they're in a situation, they'll go, ah, oh, what would staff say? I know yeah. what she's doing.
0: Yeah. There is that, what, there's a technical term for it as well. What is it when they take something of transitional your... Transitional object. That's the one, yeah. I was talking to somebody about that this week and I was saying, you, you know, you can have something and take it with you. I, I, she needs to have a break from therapy for a while and she's worried I'm not going anywhere it doesn't she's not hearing that she's catastrophizing that you know something's going to happen and she won't be able to come back to me so I said well if if you need you know something of me just to feel like I'm still there with you then that's absolutely fine we can do it
1: and that takes you back to what Bob was saying about it being a developmental issue as well yeah because if you you know, kids do have those little security blankets, ah, don't yeah. Mum's not there. That's it. I'm not saying as therapists we're mums, but no. we're touching on a very young place with them sometimes with our yeah. clients because yeah. that's where the, the deficit began. Yeah. When we get to those core issues, we very often find out that it began at a very young age and very often it's at that age where you're beginning to become more aware of the world about you and the separation from mum and dad yeah. to the outer world sometimes and then you back, go back you go out you go back you go out that's called mm-hmm. rapprochement where you go in and out and in and out and the the, and the mother welcomes the child back and says hi how have you been what you've been doing and then the child goes off again and so the, the transitional object in a way it, it mirrors that experience for for the client so when bob's talking about this is a de- developmental catastrophization has a developmental ele- element to it it is about you not having something in your head that goes it's okay you don't have to catastrophize this is what you need to do to work it out or i'm here or i can support you
0: yeah and to be fair a lot of the stuff that we're going through as adults started when we were very young
2: <laughs> yeah
0: 99.9% of the stuff from way back when yeah
1: yeah.
0: so yeah. thank you so much for both being here I need to say that Steph was put on the spot because it was meant to be me and Bob and she was preparing the tea and Bob said <laughs> Stephie come and get in here
2: <laughs> <For> the tea, <laughs> so, Jackie there's no procrastination with me there's <laughs> no catastrophisation so
0: just say it like it is get her in here no <laughs> catastrophizing
2: at all I knew she'd do a
0: wonderful job <laughs> and she did and she did takes me back takes me back about four years so thank you so much for being here and um hopefully we can do it again sometime yeah yeah it'd be a pleasure to. take care bye. Bye. bye 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 thanks for listening to this episode of living life being human podcast please subscribe on apple podcast and leave me a review And if you got value from this episode, please share it so that others can get value from it. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Jackie Jones Coaching, or you can visit my website, jackiejones.co.uk and click on the free resources tab at the top of the page for all my free and paid support. Thanks for listening.